Welcome to Highway Christian Community Sermon Downloads. For more sermons, please visit our website. We know you will be blessed as you listen. Take care and God bless. I want to read this morning from Matthew chapter 16, a very uh, powerful, well-known passage of Scripture. And I want to ask this question to you. Who is Jesus to you? Maybe ask the person next to you. Who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus? We've been singing a lot about him this morning. We've been hearing things about him. And I know that most of you sitting here today have got the answer to that question. And you know what that answer is. But let me say this. Growing up in a home where there was no church, no Bible, I often heard the name Jesus and the name Jesus Christ, but it had nothing to do with spirituality. It was usually a word to demonstrate anger or, or pain, you know, like the hammer on the nail scenario. So the name Jesus Christ means a lot of things to a lot of people. In fact, there's a lot of people who, when they hear the name Jesus Christ, would say, yes, he, he, must, he was some prophet who used to live. I've told you already, we've got these friends, that they, they're Muslim ladies, and we've built a relationship with them over the last several months, and we've shared with each other around our faith and what we believe. And they are the first to, to recognize that Jesus was one of the great prophets. But that's where it ends. And so for some, Jesus was a good man, a good role model to follow, to emanate. You know, walk like Jesus and act like him and be like him, and then you'll be a better person. That's who Jesus is for some people. And for others, it's, it's just uh, Jesus was just like a religious symbol. It was the cross at the church where I went to on Sunday morning. Or like the... You know, the, the, the Italian mafia, very Catholic, and the mafioso's son was writing his Christmas wishes out. Uh, Dear God, I've been very good this year. Can I please? And he crumbled it up. Dear God, I really tried my best this year, and I love that bicycle. Crumples it up. Runs into his dad's office, and there's a statue of Mother Mary holding a baby. And he grabs it and he runs and he puts it under his bed and he writes, Dear God, if you ever want to see your mama and child again. You know, for some people, he's just a symbolism. For others and many who are attending churches like we are today around the world, Jesus Christ is that hour we spend on Sunday where the pastor focuses our mind on Scripture and the songs are about Jesus, but he comes into very few other conversations in the week. He comes into very little other planning and activity in the week because Sunday is coming when it will be about Jesus again. That's what Jesus is like for many people. For some, the name Jesus Christ brings up fear. Because they grew up in some kind of abomination where they were taught that 
Jesus is out, sorry, I mean a denomination, where they were taught that Jesus is out to get them. Jesus is out to beat you up. He's just waiting for you to step out of line. Like God's got this whole universe to run, but his main focus and his main interest is to see something you didn't do right. Because that's why you had a flat tire outside the shopping center. It was definitely that. God got you back. You thought you could get away with that little white lie, but God got you back with that flat tire. God got you back when you burnt your finger while you were ironing the clothes. It must have been because you said something bad about your mother-in-law. Hello? And we grow up subtly being indoctrinated that God's got nothing better to do than get even with us. Because ultimately, his greatest joy and pleasure is going to see you go to hell if you don't do what you're told. And I'm not exaggerating. I'm not preaching now. I'm telling the truth. Many people have got this mindset, this worldview, when they hear God, Jesus Christ, and then they say, I don't believe in that Jesus Christ. I say to them, neither do I. Who is Jesus? To you, That is one of the most important, if not the most important word you'll ever hear in your life. For many out in the world today, he's just a myth. I've heard many people say that. Who, Jesus, it was just like a story that got passed down. But how come then when you write the date, 2019, you are speaking about someone who split history from B.C. A.D., when you write down the year. Jesus had such an impact. He couldn't have just been a good man because he split history in half. Every time you write the date out, you are confessing that something happened 2,019 years ago in world history that wasn't just a myth. And he wasn't just a good man because good men don't go around saying things like, me and the Father are the same. We won. Prophets, good prophets don't go around saying, okay, come and kill me. Because on the third day, I'm going to rise from the dead anyway. Hello? And if they did, we'd lock them up in an asylum. And when they die, they're going to be dead. Contrary to popular opinion, when you're dead, you're dead. And there's going to be no fake resurrection. There's going to be no publicity awarded to the media to benefit your ministry. No, this Jesus said, you're going to kill me and then I'm going to be raised from the dead. He was the man, the only man ever raised from the dead. He couldn't have been just a good man, a prophet, a role model. Who is this Jesus and who is he to you? It's interesting. Are we ready for that verse now? Let's read together in verse 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? That's nothing wrong with that question. He just wanted to know what the spiritual climate was of where he was going into. Did they just think he was a madman or a prophet or a myth or you know what it's? So there's nothing wrong with the question. So they said, so 
Some say you're John the Baptist. Others say you're Elijah. Others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Do you think that was demeaning to Jesus when they said that? Do you think that was a ridicule? I don't. I, I, th- I think this was quite a compliment. I mean, what if someone came and if you asked me and said, who, who do people in the church say I am? And I say, actually, some think that you, John the Baptist, raised from the dead. You'd go like, whoa. Or Jeremiah. Elijah. You know, he only called down fire from heaven on the prophets of Baal. I mean, no small feat before the days of special effects Disneyland. Hey? I mean, he only like wiped out all the prophets of Baal. And then he went to some little widow who had a little bit of, a little bit of baking uh, powder and a little bit of oil and flour baking powder. You can see I don't spend much time in the kitchen. You can see I spend a lot of eating what gets made in the kitchen. And he went and he multiplied. And it just like multiplied. I mean, come on. I wouldn't mind being in the same uh, school as those guys. I wouldn't mind being having the same classification as those guys. But still, who is Jesus to me? He goes on and he says, but who do you say? And that's my question here to you this morning. Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, which was his proper name before Jesus changed it. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, changes his name, Petros, stone. Stone used in like bricks of a house, building. And you are a stone. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Who is Jesus to you? You see, it's interesting here that Peter kind of fumbles and stumbles and almost um, thinks he gets conned into the right answer. You know, I don't know. I know it's a very religious church, so none of you ever did cribbing at school, did you? No, no. It's like, uh, you know, Peter thinks he's come up with the answer. Jesus says, that's wonderful, Peter. What you've said is true. I'm glad you've moved on from me just being a prophet to me being the Son of God, one with the Father of the same essence, the same being, a doctrine that gets worked out through revelation into an understanding of the communion of the Trinity, God the Son, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit. But Peter, let me just tell you that this wasn't the answer you came up with. It was like, let me remind you, Peter, that you didn't come up with this answer. This was revealed to you by my father. And here's the point. You can never answer that question to its full, inherent, maximum truth that Christ is 
the Son of God, God the Son, if that does not come by revelation, and that wasn't your own intellect that arrived at that conclusion, that wasn't doing some theological study that arrived you at that conclusion, that wasn't because you saw a miracle that you arrived at that conclusion, if you believe that Jesus Christ is God the Son, the Christ, the Messiah, it's because the Father has revealed it to you, and there's nothing for us to boast about. Hey! Come on. And he starts off there and he says, Blessed are you because of this. Blessed are you. You want a miracle or you want a blessing? I just want to live in blessing and see miracles. Ephesians 1 We've been blessed in Christ in heavenly places with every. Say every. You see, blessing affects. Every area of your life. And when you hear Jesus, and it's the first word of that phrase, which means in the writing it had preeminence. It it was the the emphasis of of that statement. Blessed. Blessed. You are blessed. Because of a revelation you had that wasn't even your revelation, it came to you by the Holy Spirit, but that blessing includes every area of your life. It included the things you were praying for this morning. It included the things you hear about week after week. By faith, we take hold of them because all our part is is to believe that we have what He says we already have. Who is Jesus to you? By revelation, who do you say that I am? You and I are blessed because of what he's done. You see, how we answer this question is going to affect every part of our life. Because if we just believe Jesus was a good role model, then that's all you'll be. If we believe Jesus was just some prophet, then that's all you'll be. But in order for Jesus to build something called his church, it rests on the revelation that he's more than just a good man or a prophet. And that's why it requires faith to be born again through the atoning work of Jesus, a sacrifice, into a new body called the church that only comes by revelation of who he is. And when he builds us, Like stones, like Peter, built on the revelation. What was this rock that Jesus said he'd build a church on? It was the revelation of who he is that Peter put into words. When people can put those into words, when they can demonstrate he is Christ, the living God, they are supernaturally transformed out of a kingdom of darkness, a kingdom of death, into a kingdom of life, a kingdom of God, and they are born again and transformed by the power of God. That's how he builds his church. One brick at a time. One brick at a time. Peter, you blessed, which is a blessing that would carry on and has carried on right to you. Beyond that, he says, now, based on that, I'm going to do something. I'm going to build something. I'm going to build something that's my church. 
Because he can't build it if Jesus is just a docile, passive, indifferent person in our lives. Then the church would have just been a docile, passive, insignificant organization. And let me even venture to say, there's parts of the church that are just docile, indifferent, impotent clubs that are built around nice songs, juji, coffee, nothing wrong with our coffee, well thrown together productions, pin perfect sound. Is there such a phrase? Yeah? that you can hear a pin drop from the one side of the auditorium to the other. But if Jesus is not the radical I am God, I am the only way to the Father, and if you lift me up, I will draw all men to me, If Jesus is not at the center, the heartbeat, the passion of that community, my friends, we very quickly see church denominations through church history drifting into social activity, drifting into hanging on to their pet doctrines, drifting into just nominal club gathering because it's not built on born-again, spirit-filled, death-to-life conversions that took a person and transformed them miraculously by the new birth. That's the church. That's why the most important question we can ask is who is this Jesus to me? I know doctrinally what that means. I know through his death, burial, and resurrection, he showed himself to be the Son of God, and through His death and burial and resurrection, I've identified through baptism with Him, and I'm eternally placed in a righteous standing before my Heavenly Father. That's good to know doctrinally who Jesus is. But I can also tell you, there was a time in my life when I moved past just hearing His name as a swear word to where when I opened my eyes in the morning, I knew that the presence of Jesus was with me. And it took me a few years before I got it right that His presence is not just transcendent, it's also imminent. In other words, it's not just out there somewhere, but it's here as well. It's both. Don't let someone tell you that Jesus is only in you and He's not out there. And don't let someone tell you He's just out there and He's not in here. His transcendence and His imminence work together perfectly. But sometimes as a young Christian, He would be far. And then I started mixing up some law and grace and started getting scared of him. But he still continued to be a daily reality in my life till this time. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. A day can't go by without a thought, a reflection, a prayer, a sense, a need. Jesus, Jesus. I should have never used that word for that taxi driver this morning. Jesus helped me. But he's there in my consciousness. Who is Jesus for you? Just a historical figure or a moment by moment experience of his new life? Just quickly, I'm out of time here. I'm going to give you, because Jesus in these few points, in this one verse, says five things that are probably more important about the local church than 
volumes of books that have been written. And the first is that Jesus built his church. Who's the one who builds his church? Let's not get that mixed up. He builds it on this truth of who he is. But we are called to seek the kingdom. We're not called to build a church. We're called to extend his kingdom. I love that prophetic word this morning. I saw differently. I just saw the, the, the throne of the king in the temple. And then I saw the, the, the gown, the garment flowing across the earth. I saw that is his kingdom rule. The king is on the throne. And his rule is being extended by those who proclaim the kingdom of God is here. But he's going to do, while we're doing that, he's building his church on this revelation. Secondly, Jesus owns, my, owns his church when he says, I will build my church. He has a personal interest in his church. Don't let anybody ever down talk and down trod the church. Church is very special to him. I know there's a lot of people been hurt by the church. And they love the bridegroom, but they hate the bride. My friends, it shouldn't be like that. Maybe they had a bad representation, but it shouldn't be like that. Because Jesus, like a parent, he owns it. And we've got to remind ourselves who owns it. I sometimes see billboard size, 15 floor pictures of the pastor and his wife, and I think, what are they trying to communicate? Why don't they just say, we own this church? Come on, am I being ugly now? The third thing is, the church is meant to be growing, because Jesus said, I will build. My church. So church should be growing. In the book of Acts, it says, you see daily people added. You should be like octopus tentacles in the community, reaching out, praying, loving, bringing people to Christ, discipling them, walking with them. We're talking about this. This is all the church is here for. One big octopus. Good morning, octopus. How are the tentacles doing? Because the tentacles have got to be doing their work if the church, if Jesus is going to build his church. And it should be growing. And then fourthly, a church that is growing will face opposition. I will build my, and there are gates of hell. You have an enemy. Sorry to tell you this. If you're born again and part of his called out community called the church, you have an enemy. And I'm not talking about your mother-in-law. I'm talking about Satan, the devil. You have an enemy. De- demons hate you as much as God loves you. Demons hate you. They're not playing a game. They hate you. It's their nature to hate you. And if you don't know who you are in Christ, then they can irritate you. They can ostracize you. But there's a battle going on. If you're going with the stream, you just float. Hey, who's ever gone with the river? Just you turn around and start swimming. What happens? Bunk, bang, pressure, resistance, floating branch. Now you, we've turned around. And he says the gates, the church that Jesus built, unstoppable. Because remember, we're not standing at the gates protecting. Hold fort, for I am coming. Jesus signals. So that's my, that was my early theology as a Christian. It was like, we're going to hang on the gates, make sure they don't get bust open by the devil, and we're going to sit there and keep praying for the rapture to come quicker and sooner than later. Because, you know, then I found out 
that the Lord says, when the enemy comes in like a flood, I'm going to raise up a standard. I'm going to be your front guard. I'm going to be your real guard. But if you don't know those things, if you're ignorant of those things, the church that Jesus builds is unstoppable. Because the gates are hell's gates. They're holding people in bondage. And our job isn't to hold our gates, it's to pummel his gates. And we do that every time we preach the gospel. We do that every time we pray and intercede. We do that when we collect like this and worship and declare that he's God. The church will be unstoppable. It will pursue and, and not be on the defensive, but be on the offensive to see God's kingdom break in. On these few statements, Jesus talks about his church. That he's going to build it on the foundation of who he is. And that it's even though there's an enemy and there's resistance, it's going to be unstoppable. The gates of hell shall not prevail. How, come on, give the Lord a praise for that. These are the words of Jesus to his church. I will build my church. And then just before he leaves them, he said, three years, seven days a week, 24 hours a day. But he still says to them, you're not ready until the Father sends the gift of the Holy Spirit. Because when Jesus was on earth, he was in one place at one time. Now he was going to be alive in every single one of those that put their faith in him. 5,000 on the day of Pentecost. Added, and then daily added. By the second century, they say, the whole of the known world had a witness around the gospel. It went like wildfire. And it did so because he said, you wait until you receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Because what I'm calling you to is not going to just depend on your human reason and wisdom. It's going to depend on the fire of the Holy Spirit. Come on, who's hungry for that? Who's desperate for that? Who's saying, I, 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 I believe this stuff, Steve. I, I really do. I've I, I put my faith in it, I know. But I'm, there. I'm saying, Lord, I need a fresh baptism of your fire. I need a fresh baptism of your power. I need a fresh infilling of the Holy Ghost. Come on! I will build my church. The church is where the presence of Jesus is amongst his called out peculiar people that are on a mission to change the world. Did you hear that? The church is where the presence of Jesus is amongst his called out spiritual family that are on a mission to transform the world. I'll say that again. The church that Jesus is building is where the presence of Jesus is amongst his called out spiritual family that are on a mission to see the world transformed. Can we stand this morning? Let's stand. Just lift up your hands right now.